That's how it all started for Angie Hicks, hoofing it door to door, trying to convince people to sign up for her home improvement service. Eventually, they did in droves, and Angie soon found herself inside homes across the country, making her company pitch on TV. You want to be sure the money you're about to spend is money well spent. Before you have any work done in your home, go to Angie's List. Fort Wayne native, entrepreneur, still the face of the Angie brand after 25 years. Angie Hicks is my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Angie Hicks grew up on the north side of Fort Wayne. Dad drove a UPS truck. Mom, a bank teller. Angie, well, she thought maybe her best fit would be in accounting. Crunching numbers on a spreadsheet. Never thought she had the chops to lead a business. But Angie wound up hitting pay dirt. She and her business partner, Bill Osterley, growing Angie's List into one of the most recognized home referral services in the country. And it gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome to the podcast Angie Hicks, now the Chief Customer Officer at Angie. Angie, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Gary? I am very good. You know, between COVID and all kinds of changes. It's been a while since we've uh, we've seen each other, so it's great to uh, great to reconnect. How are things going? How long has it been now? Has it been about six years since uh, the acquisition? That is right. You're right. How's how's it going? So IAC acquired, merged in with Home Advisor to form what is now Angie, and uh, still see the commercials on uh, very frequently on on television. Certainly, now there's been some time, obviously, for the combination to to take hold. How how would you assess how things are going? It is going well. It's going really well. It's it's you know there is so much opportunity in really helping bring uh, the home services industry online, and you know I'm super excited about what lays ahead for us. You know, whether it's whether you want to be matched with a pro, whether you want to do your research, whether you want to hire a pro instantly, you know, we're really experimenting and driving and driving how the industry is evolving. Because let's be honest, for most Americans, our home is our largest investment. And we want to make sure we're taking care of it. And we are there to make sure that we can help every step of the way. And Angie is is not a, a really big company, right? It is. It is. So we, uh, you know, we are obviously national. We actually are international. So we also have an international arm as well. You know, and we are the leader in the industry. We are helping, uh, we help millions of homeowners every single year with home projects. In terms of the pandemic, and you've obviously had the change with the acquisition, but how, how did the pandemic affect the home services marketplace? With the pandemic, quite honestly, it it really brought the home into focus. You know, at a time, you know, it was a time when we were all sheltering at home. We were working from home. Kids were schooling from home. It was, you know, it, the home was everything. And we realized how important it was to us and also how much wear and tear we were putting into it. So we found people, I think one of the most interesting findings as we've come through this process is historically, people used to invest in their home for the ROI. They used to think about an ROI. It's like, I'll remodel my kitchen because I think I'm going to move in a few years and that's going to make my house more marketable. But we actually saw that sh- that a shift in mindset and how we were investing in our homes as we came out of the pandemic. And it really became making their houses fit for them. 
And I think that was a combination of having spent so much time in our houses, but then also in, you know, the last, you know, the last year with interest rates rising, we have found ourselves probably really liking our mortgage payments, but maybe we didn't love our home. And so, you know, we're still having kids, we're still evolving. So we had, you know, so then we became, you know, we came a society that was shifting and investing in the houses we have to make a better lifestyle. So chief customer officer, what does uh, what does that entail, Angie? It's, you know, quite honestly, it's some of the, you know, it's some of the most enjoyable things I've done over my 25 year history, quite honestly. It's spending time talking to pros, talking to homeowners and really understanding what makes them tick. You know, for example, this year I, I took a playbook out of my internal comms playbook where uh Earlier on, I used to, I would have office hours for employees and I dedicated an hour a week where employees could come and talk about whatever they wanted, get 15 minutes. They can talk about, I can give career advice, I can help them solve a problem, you name it, their business idea. And, you know, quite honestly, that was more valuable to me probably than for the employees. Uh, And it was a great way for me to stay connected, especially as the business grew and there was more employees. It gave me a chance to connect one-on-one and get to know folks. So I took that playbook to customers. And so now I'm doing the exact same thing with pros. Pros can sign up for a slot to chat one-on-one with me about anything, about how to grow their business, about about how Angie's working for them, things that we could do to improve. Uh, and and it's it's awesome. You yeah. know, it's like I, when the days that I spend talking to pros, spending most of my time talking to pros are my favorite days. And and really, in a in a sense, I guess that's back to the roots of uh, uh, what started out as Angie's list was that that kind of that neighborly community conversation and in contact. Right. right. I think you know generally in business, I think you know as technology has taken over, we have you know and and we have lost sometimes the fine art of talking to one another. And uh, and I think it it's when used well, I think it can be incredibly powerful. You're like, yes, I want simple ways to do a lot of things. You know, I don't wake up today and say, gosh, I'm so excited. My water heater broke. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. You know, like, I just want that done. I want that out of the way. I want to forget about it. But sometimes you just you you want to talk through things. You want to understand things. You want to understand what motivates, you know, motivates people. You want to be able to kind of talk through an issue if you have one. And that accessibility uh, can be really powerful. Take us back. Uh, Angie, I think it was 1995, 28 years ago, you and Bill Osterley co-founded what would become Angie's List in Columbus, Ohio. And it really started back to that whole connectedness, started with you going door to door, signing up customers, right, for home and lawn services. What was that like? I mean, that is the ultimate cold calling uh, gig, I would say. (laughs) Oh, Gary, it was was miserable. It was miserable. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, you know, I am an introvert. Uh, I'm not the most uh, outgoing person in the world. So that coupled with the fact that people don't really like to buy things door to door. Yep. <laughs> there were a lot of doors uh, shut in my face. Uh, and, you know, and, and when I reflect back on that time, you know, one, we knew that it was never we were never going to scale the business. It was dependent on me to do the sales which is fine. You got to know what you bring and know what you don't bring. And that I did not bring. And it was it was character building. And it helped me figure out how to get through doing things that I don't enjoy doing. Because I think a lot of people, you know, are really successful, but there's always things in their role that they don't enjoy doing. 
And so how do you do it? And, you know, I'm a pretty analytical person. So I used to break it down by numbers, right? So I would say like, hey, I need to talk to this many people in order to sell one membership. So I was like, okay, so today I'm going to knock on <laughs> 20 yeah. doors and if I knock on my 20 doors, I'm going to sell one membership. I turned it into, into math and that helped. It gave it an endpoint. It gave it a defined process. And and it's, I've used that to this day. You know, even things you don't like, I mean, I, I, I sometimes say like, you know, a lot of times I like to do things early in the day that I don't enjoy. Yeah. Because all yeah. I find that if people get in, they're on Slack, they're on email, they're busy doing all of these things. And then because because they're not kind of not wanting to do the one thing they really need to get at. So I find that like if you, if you get at the toughest thing, first thing, then, you know, the rest of the day goes downhill. How did you get through that period? As you, you say, you know, it's amazing. You talk about being an introvert and to go into a door to door selling situation. <laughs> how did you how how did you have the perseverance to kind of to weather through that uh, that time, I, you know, quite honestly, I think it there was you know as part of my personality. I mean, for a long time, I never viewed myself as an entrepreneur. I never felt like I had the characteristics of an entrepreneur. I wasn't a big risk taker. I wasn't a big idea person. You know, I was like I, you say, I was like I was the executor. But after years of kind of talking about it, thinking about it, kind of you know, kind of living it, you know, what I realized, perseverance is probably one of the most important entrepreneurial talents, and that one I did have. Yeah, um, I was uh, I was one that just kind of never I would never give up. I would, you know, my dad was a UPS driver. I worked for thirty years at UPS. I mean, it was it was one of those where it's like when you commit to something, you commit to something. Yeah. And I think that was probably you know for me one of the biggest things. It was like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out. The phone wasn't ringing. You had a few doors slammed in your face. When did it, at what point did it start to click? Did things start to happen? And you say, hey, this maybe we've got something here. It was probably about six months, maybe six months in or so. You know, it was after we kind of realized door-to-door wasn't going to be it. Yeah, I think we signed up for one of the one of the home shows in Columbus and, you know, got our little booth at the, at the Home and Garden show. And realized that, hey, we could sell some memberships here. And then Columbus had a lot of little local newspapers. Each little neighborhood had a local print newspaper at the time. So it was relatively inexpensive to advertise in. And so we took out an ad in one of those newspapers. And lo and behold, the phone started ringing. And once we could figure out how to make the phone ring, then all of a sudden, you know, that 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 was the nut we had to crack. Kind of figuring... Figuring out how to market this business was always the nut we had to crack. And it was, you know, because it was, we knew how the business behaved kind of once, once people were signed up because we had unified neighbors that was in Indianapolis here for since the seventies. And we're kind of like, okay, the people renew really well. They like it. You know, we knew all of those things. We just had to figure out how to get them in the door. And so, you know, so that marketing and that kind of figuring that out was the, was the biggest challenge in the business. Well, you mentioned Unified Neighbors uh, here in Indianapolis. I think it was in 96 that you you bought that company and then moved That's the headquarters right. to Indianapolis. At what point, because at some point, the decision was made to literally make you the face of the, the name and the face of the company. What was that like? I a lot of times think about these decisions as, as inconsequential at the time. Uh-huh. And therefore, you make the decision and you think, oh, that wasn't a big deal. It was in 96, I think it was. We we originally called the business Columbus Neighbors, and we had a newsletter that came out once a month. And in the newsletter, we'd publish some of the categories each month. 
And what we realized was people thought the newsletter was the service. I mean, this is pre this is pre internet days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was a magazine and a call in service. They didn't the customers didn't realize you could call in and actually find out. Cause so they were like, well, maybe next month they'll put roofers, even though my roof is leaking right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be able to see who the roofers are. So we decided we needed to rebrand. So we we debated across three names. So we were going to name it The List, which was like this militant, like, we've got your back, homeowner. We're going to protect you. Uh, Jackie's List. Jackie was the mother of one of our uh, one of our investors who lived in Columbus her whole life, knew everybody. I mean, she kind of, she epitomized what we were really trying to accomplish. And then at the very end, kind of way through, you know, built throughout Angie's list. And, you know, again, I was like, oh, he's like, well, she's here. She answers the phone. The story works. Even if Angie goes off and does something else someday, you know, it still works because yeah. that was the story. So Angie's list won. And, you know, when you have, you know, a thousand customers and you're in one little, you know, kind of <laughs> one city and it was so small, it didn't matter that I was like, I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. How was it? Was it, was it? Fun, tough combination, you know, being literally being the face of the company. You know, so I think the second the second decision that was probably seemed inconsequential at the time that was probably the next big decision was when, you know, the marketing team was like, hey, Angie, you know, the biggest question we get is whether there's a real Angie. Um, you know, you should be in the commercials. And, you know, at that time, again, we weren't advertising that much. It was in a few cities. And I was just like, OK, we'll give it a try. And then, you know, and then it turned out that, you know, every time we tested, it was like it worked best when I was in the commercial. So it was really interesting. I mean, I I had the pleasure of having connections with our customers and with with the community in a way that I, you know, I would try to articulate to our team. It's just like it was fascinating. You know, it was fascinating. You know, the the it was a very personal relationship. I'd see people on the street. They thought I lived in whatever city I was in. Uh-huh. You know, like, there was just this, there was very much this next door neighbor feel to it, which, which I love. And one of the things that I always said had to be true about the, about kind of how we position and, and things like that was like, whoever I am has to be who I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. you probably get this a bit too. You're I mean, like, yeah. like you have to be who you are. It has to be incredibly authentic or you can't be, you can't right. be the face of, you can't be the face like that. Otherwise, you know, you, it just falls apart. And so that was my only requirement. It was like, I have to, I have to feel, look, talk and act as I am. Yeah. And, and, and that has to come through kind of in every element. Uh, well, and, and that strength, the strength of that brand too, because now even through the acquisition and the different changes, that Angie name, different spelling though, right? No E, but you know, the name continues on. Over the years, I mean, Angie's List became just an incredible grant brand. I mean, it had a nine, you know, it's had a ninety plus percent brand awareness over the years, and and you know, and, and our goal here is to really leverage that that brand exposure. It's like really leverage that experience and that connection. I mean, and and we brought the brands together. I guess it's right about two years ago now, and, and we're doing all the marketing under Angie because we realized it's like, well, you know, it's it's great that we had you know, kind of these multiple brands, and we, you know, there were three by the time we did this. But it was like, hey, we're 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 actually competing with one another. Right. <laughs> Let's bring yeah. them together. Let's actually put and build one world class brand that really encompasses all of the services. And you know, and we we loved the Angie's we love the Angie's list historical element of it, but. But it needed refreshed. It needed updated. We were more than just a list, and so that was, you know, and that so that yeah. was the approach of to drop of dropping the list. 
Now, you stepped away from the company at, at one point and got your MBA, right, at, at, at Harvard. And I read where you f- felt as though that that time away from the company, that break from the company to do that was a real positive for you. It was. It was. So, I mean, if you think about it, I, I, I stepped away at the business three years in. I started the business when I was 22. I, I worked by myself a good portion of those three years. Yep. I mean, it was I needed I needed a break. I mean, you know, it's, it, starting a business is incredibly hard. I get, you know, people ask me all the time. It's like, would you do it again? You know, how was it starting at 22? And I was just like, I am so glad I did it. I don't, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. You know, but for me, I was like, I needed, I needed this stuff. I honestly think had I not left and gone to business school, I probably wouldn't have stayed. Yeah. Uh, you grew the company uh, until the acquisition in, in in 2017. Thinking back, that what what really were the dynamics that really drove that? What led to the sale? You know, it, it was it was a scenario where we were we had kind of pivoted a few times. We've developed our our e commerce offering. We've gone public. We developed our e commerce offering. We were really expanding and growing. We you know we shifted to a freemium model, oh. and you know we were we were at a point where where our growth had slowed a bit, and it was like, hey, where where are we going now? And the opportunity for the acquisition, you know, just, you know, just made sense. I think when I look back on my career, I've probably been through every business kind of experience, you know, public acquisition, acquired, <laughs> then acquired, I mean, yep. name it. Um, and I think it's, you know, in the end for me, like watching is and kind of being involved. It's like, hey, it's doing what's best for the business. What's the best path forward for the business and for the customers? To be able to grow and evolve, and in an in an industry where there's so much opportunity ahead of us, I think it's important that we position ourselves the best we can. As you th- re- reflect on that, it was a deal that uh, you know you felt strongly made good business sense. But even with that, was it tough to sell? Being you know a co-founder there, you know from the beginning, was that a, just emotionally for you? What was that that process like? I mean, I think it's, I think there's always emotions through every phase of this, right? And and so yes, there's always emotions. But I think for me, being able to stay on and being involved, you know, you know, they, it was, you know, there was a real opportunity for me to continue that journey. And for me personally, I was excited. When we return, much more with Angie Hicks. We'll uh, take a trip down memory lane. Talk about growing up in Fort Wayne, DePaul University, and what steered her away from a career as an accountant. Much more uh, when we return on the Business and Beyond podcast. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank, all rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week, Angie Hicks, the Chief Customer Officer at Angie. And uh, Angie, we've talked about the business, growing the business, selling the business. Let's go back a few more years. And uh, 
your youth, your young years. You grew up in Fort Wayne, right? What was that? What was that like? Yeah, I grew up in Fort Wayne. My dad was a UPS driver. My mom was a bank teller most of my life. And uh, I have a sister. Uh, and, you know, and, and it was it was good. I liked Fort Wayne. I mean, we grew up on the north side. We were just talking about it. I went to Northrop High School. And, you know, for me, it was uh, most of my extended family lived and even further northern. They lived in small town, Indiana, Ligonier, Indiana. Yep. Uh, so we were the ones that had moved to the city. Okay, the big city. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know how that is. Um, talk about your fo- your folks, UPS driver, bank teller. Uh, everyone is influenced in some way by, by their parents. What, what kind of influence did your parents have on you and the person you've become? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think about each of them, you know, separately. I mean, I think both of them had, you know, incredible work ethic. I think they both kind of, you know, growing up, they took a lot of responsibility in that. I think having a mother that worked, you know, at that day and age, I mean, she, she stayed at home with me until I was about five, I think it was. And then, you know, she, it was important for her. She wanted to work. She wanted to be independent and, you know, kind of contribute to the family and, you know, and I think that element reminded, you know, kind of helped me understand that it was like, hey, it's it's fine. It's, you know, it's a woman can have kids. She can, <laughs> yeah. she can have a career, et cetera. And so I think that was important. You know, my dad, it was a UPS driver for nearly 30 years and, you know, and retired from there in his early 50s. I kind of joke around. I think I'm coming close to the age he was when he <laughs> retired. I was like, oh, <laughs> So that dedication to 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 a career, I mean, they were both customer service oriented folks. I mean, in their roles. I mean, he's a UPS driver. I mean, he he delivered at one of the malls in Fort Wayne. I mean, he was w- interacting with customers all day long. My mom as a bank teller was. I mean, yeah. I think that was just that doing what you're gonna say, taking care of people, making sure that, you know, kind of things are going well, I think was just inherent in 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 kind of what they taught me. Yeah. And, and you mentioned work ethic, but also perseverance that we talked about earlier that, that you, you know, had to have as you started Angie's List. It sounds like maybe you got that perseverance gene from from your parents. Absolutely. They did not let obstacles get in their way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have mentors? I mean, other everybody, I mean, I would list my parents among mentors, but other mentors or teachers or folks who in particular really made a difference in your early life? Uh, you know, obviously, my peers, I, I was really close to my grandparents as well. I I mean, I used to, I mean, I, I think I, I credit my grandfather for kind of finally giving me the nudge to start Angie's List. I mean, he was the one that was like, it's going to be okay. I think you should go ahead and jump off. This. Oh, that's great. This, yeah. this jump is good. Yeah. Um, you know, I had, you know, I, I had teachers. I had, you know, I had a guidance counselor at school that really helped me. I I was the first in my immediate family to go to college. So that whole process, that whole experience was new to me and foreign to my parents. So, you know, so I so I would lean to them through that process as well, for sure. What yeah, you you mentioned first in your immediate family to go to college, you chose DePaul University in Greencastle. What uh, did you think of other uh, consider other schools? What what made you land on DePaul? Yeah, so I I looked at IU. Uh, I looked at Hillsdale College up in Michigan. Yep. I looked at DePaul. You know, for me, I mean, I'm I I am kind of true to this day. I'm a frugal person, Gary. Uh-huh. <laughs> it comes down to dollars and cents a lot of times. I liked a smaller school. I absolutely liked a smaller school. Kind of back to that kind of quieter person. I remember when I went to DePaul to visit. It was a rainy day, and I got out of my car, and I was for some reason I was alone. I don't know. I was by myself. I don't know why. And you know this. 
this nice man stopped with his umbrella and offered to walk me to wherever I was going because I had neglected to bring an umbrella because I drove three hours and it was going to be raining there. And uh, lo and behold, uh, it was the president. Really? Of the university. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Good. Oh, well, this is this, this maybe this is a sign, you know, it's like they are just so kind and generous. And then when it came down to making a decision, it was down, it was debating between IU and DePaul. And quite honestly, it was it was less expensive for me to go to DePaul. I got between the scholarships I got from the school, plus I received a scholarship from UPS as well. And the scholarship at UPS scaled depending on the cost of the school. So I ended oh, up yeah. uh, until pretty much my senior year having a full ride to DePaul. So that that was the ultimate decision for me. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I think I, I read where you you mentioned you're frugal, you're a numbers person, you're kind of a math geek. Is that is that yeah, accurate? I started as a math major. I, I, you know, at one point, I wanted to be an actuary. I wanted to be an accountant. I wanted to be a business consultant. I was I I am often most comfortable behind a spreadsheet. Uh huh. Wow. Now, and you actually considered uh, out of coming out of DePaul, taking a job as an accountant, right? At, at uh, former Arthur Anderson. So I thought about that. I did. I also had an offer to be a consultant. I mean, I was, I mean, that was, I mean, it was the nineties. I was an economics major. And I think that was kind of the path that was most likely. I wanted, I applied at the Federal Reserve Bank in Chicago. I mean, wow. I was, yeah. <laughs> I now, was, uh, I was, I was definitely that analytical mind. Yeah. Now, do you get back to DePaul very often uh, at all? Because that's a, one of the great private institutions in our state. And we're so fortunate. We've got the great public schools, great private schools, but, uh, you know, a lot, yeah. a lot going yeah, on. I was, and actually, there, I was down there not that long ago. I was showing one of my kids around. Um, I think I'm going to be down there in a, in another month or so doing a, a panel, I think. So I yeah. try to get down there once or twice a year. As you talk to young people, whether it's at DePaul or I know you're asked for advice and guidance from time to time, what's, what's your, advice to young people as they're starting their careers you reflect back on on the start of your career but what's what's do you have a kind of a, a boilerplate i don't call it boilerplate but a set <laughs> uh, uh you know kind of you know advice or rules of the road that, that you like to give young people i think one of my favorites is don't lock your career plan too early I think especially coming coming out of school people have this yeah. kind of three year or five year plan where they're just like, I'm going to do this for this long, then I'm going to go to business school, then I'm going to do this. And I think they get so locked in that plan that they forget to see opportunities. And I think young people don't real don't always appreciate, realize, or understand the the skills and values that people see in them. And so sometimes like, what, what do you mean, me? Right. right? And, they, yeah. and they don't, and they, and they pass up opportunities or they just have blinders on and don't see them. I mean, I use this, I, I, I use this as the example. It's like, it was very easy for me to be a consultant. Yeah, that was, I mean, it was very easy for me to say no to the opportunity to start a business. But sometimes you have to take those leaps. Um, you know, I think, you know, people get, uh, young people get focused on wanting to go to graduate school, wanting to go to business school. And I've, I've helped so many over the years. And I always remind them, I'm like, you know, here's here's my kind of two pieces of advice. One, apply to the best schools you can. And two, this year may not be your year, but it doesn't mean it's not your year. It's not your time that you're not going to get there. Um, yeah. yeah, I use an example of a very dear friend of mine. And I, you know, I think she ended up applying, you know, three different years and ended up going to Kellogg. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, 
sometimes it's just not your, it, you're not, you know, when they look at the kind of the makeup of the class, it's just not your time, but you know, just keep trying. Yeah. There's no, yeah. there's no special, like you have to do it now. We'll talk about motivation quickly as we kind of wind down here a bit, but what motivates Angie Hicks today? I mean, I, I think people are motivated by different things, depending on maybe what stage of the career they're in. I mean, I think of my career and early days in television and wanting to be, I want to be in Chicago. I want to do this, want to do that. But today, as you look today, what uh, what gets you out of bed every morning and, and motivates Angie Hicks? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. One, you know, it's like I love spending time with my family. I mean, you know, it's like I think through the pandemic, I think we ended up with some special time when our kids were at an age that, you know, they, they would have been pulling away. Right. I mean, I've right. got, I mean, I've got teenagers, one went off to college this year. So every chance I get to spend with them, I want to spend with them. I mean that, you know, because that time is fleeting, that time will go away. You know, for me, when it comes to kind of career and opportunities, it's like, Hey, do I like what I'm doing? Do I like the people I'm working with? I mean, it's pretty simple. And I always, a lot of times, I mean, I joke around, I'm like, I measure things in threes, a lot of things we need, we learned in kindergarten. And, you know, it's like try to yeah. keep things as simple as possible. And, you know, honestly, spending this time, you know, talking to customers, you know, kind of maximizing the amount of time I'm spending there, it's been a ton of fun. And, you know, that, that that's exciting. And that energizes me. I mean, these entrepreneurial stories, I think they are stories that are oftentimes not told. I mean, I think that, the, you know, people in the trades drive a good portion of our local economy. They are running yep. businesses in our economy. They are a big part of our community. And we're not celebrating them enough. And we need to do more. And yeah. if I can do my part to kind of hear their stories, share their stories, and, you know, kind of remind people of the opportunity, I think that's, for me, that will be, that will be my, that'll be a great success. Well, Angie Hicks, it has been uh, a real pleasure to catch up with you. Always great to talk uh, with you. Uh, congratulations on your continued success and uh, hope to see you soon, uh, maybe in studio on the show or out and about around Indianapolis. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Gary. All right. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes, more than 100 episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.